Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top 20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Style Nation, you're in good hands with my girl CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nations, as workplaces are adapting to sudden and unprecedented changes due to the global pandemic, leaders must find new strengths within uh, their teams, which is why we have a fantastic guest here on the show today. She is an award-winning author and an Inc. Top 100 leadership speaker. She's also the founder of Let's Grow Leaders, where they provide practical leadership training, breakthrough results, and inspire employee engagement. She is also the author of Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. She is Karen Hurt. KH, how are you? (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Definitely appreciate uh, your time today. You know, we're we're all trying to figure out this global pandemic and, and everything and, and and leadership. So definitely glad to have you uh, on the show today. So uh, before I kind of get started, kind of share with us your new normal through through this whole pandemic world that we're kind of living in right now. Yeah, I mean, just like you and everyone, we've all been on a fast pivot, right, to do the best we can with what we have from where we are. And right. It, it was a massive uh, transition for us. I Recall in March, uh, we were sitting at breakfast at a Marriott courtyard Mm. and, uh, you know, we were in Seattle and on the big screen TVs that were everywhere, you know, everybody was pulling out saying, you know, know, all these big tech companies were like, oh, we're all sending everybody's going to be working from home, working from home. And we are about to go into an office of one of our clients and we're like, oh my gosh, our whole world is about to change because, all of, you know, pretty much all of our programs were in-person programs, right. long-term you know, leadership programs, keynote speaking, big conferences. Of course. And, um, you know, of course you have that moment of panic, like what is going to happen to our business? But it has been fascinating. Um, we have just been on this journey to really pivot to everything live online. And in so many ways, some, some of it, has been a real blessing um, as we have been able to work more easily around the world, mm-hmm. you know, and so we've been doing a lot of global programs. We just got off of I'm literally 15 minutes ago, a global summit where we had 200 people in countries all over the world. Wow, you know, that's right. such a neat opportunity, right? Absolutely. So, as much as it's been terrible, it's also been so interesting and good. And um, so that's that's what we've been doing. You know, part of that involved, you know, building out a studio in our basement so that it can feel, you know, really professional, getting all the right lights, getting right. all the equipment, you know, all that stuff. But it's been good. Right. No, it's funny you mentioned that. And I definitely understand that part because uh, in, in March I was uh, doing this, uh, the show from the radio station. Uh, and so once all, you know, COVID hit and stuff like that, I had to buy equipment so I can, you know, all do it from home. And so I haven't been back to the, to the station, uh, ever since. So now I'm just recording and then I send them the audio file and then, uh, wow. you know, and then just going to go from there. So, uh, it's kind of cool, you know, because you kind of get to adjust on the fly a little bit, but you know, it's kind of, it's definitely a, a great thought exercise, I guess, for sure to kind of figure <laughs> it out. 
for sure. Uh, but, you know, enough about that. We, we brought you on to talk about your fantastic book, Courageous Cultures. And Startup Nation, if you want to uh, uh, purchase that book, we have a link there in the show notes if you're uh, listening on the, to the replay uh, on the podcast for easy access. Uh, you know, so it's, ta- it's called Cour- Courageous Cultures. Kind of talk about what you were seeing, what you and David uh, were seeing, the co-author on the book, uh, and also your husband as well. Uh, kind of talk about, you know, what you were seeing that kind of prompted the book. Yeah, so it was interesting. We were noticing a consistent pattern as we were working with our clients across a variety of industries Sure, that we would go in and we would talk to the senior most levels of the organization. You know, why don't people speak up? Why don't they share their ideas? You know, why am I the only one who finds these problems? Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> we would be working and doing training or work at the supervisor level and we would hear things like, Nobody wants my ideas. The last time I spoke up, I got in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. nothing ever happens anyway. We thought, are you all working for the same company? You know, so, you know, employees have ideas and leaders really do want to hear them most of the time. And yet somehow there was a disconnect. So we partnered with the University of North Colorado Social Research Lab on a really extensive research that was both quantitative and qualitative to get underneath this question about If people were holding back ideas, what kind of ideas were they holding back? What is preventing people from speaking up? And what is this concept of, you know, FOSU, what we call fear of speaking up? Mm -hmm. And the companies were doing it well. What was different about their cultures? And so we took that research and then we uh, took the findings and translated that into a roadmap of really practical tools and techniques you can use to implement what we call a more courageous culture. Right. Right. No, and I, I'm fascinated by this because we, we see all the time about, you know, uh, especially with a lot of people in, in our audience uh, who kind of leave, you know, the traditional nine to five and, and build companies and stuff like that. And they're trying to build cultures uh, themselves. But we I, I know a lot of times we see people who. Uh, you know, they don't want to speak up for fear of not necessarily reprimand, but just kind of like not hearing the word. No. Uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because this applies to startups, too, <laughs> because you you need to, to navigate your own narrative, which is really the first step of creating courageous culture. So, right. you know, what is your own story you're telling yourself about fear, you know, mm. and, you know, are you willing to speak up and speak the truth to your suppliers, to your customers, right? Are you able to show up with confident humility and do that well? And, you know, I think one of the mistakes that I see often people, especially at the very beginning of a startup, is that they're so worried about getting customers or keeping customers that they'll do anything, (laughs) you know, and that does not set the stage to build a solid foundation of a company. And so I think it's about, you know, really being clear about your values. What are you what are you willing to do And, and being willing to stand up? When somebody is asking you to do something that doesn't right. For sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that. You know, in the book, you talk about, you know, uh, competing for the best talent. And uh, one of the things I thought was fascinating was that like now, uh, you know, more than ever, uh, organizations are not just competing with talent with other organizations. They're now com- you know, competing with the gig economy, which I thought yes. was kind of fascinating. Kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, Karen. Yeah. So, you know, people have more choices than ever. Absolutely. And I think we're noticing that particularly now, right? In the middle of this pandemic, I I hear it all the time. People are like, you know what? Life is short and I want to have more control. And so if you are not creating an environment where you are, where people feel like their voice is heard, that their ideas matter, they're going to go somewhere else where their ideas will be heard, even if that's to build, you know, to go out on their own and become a freelancer. And I think you're seeing more and more people considering that choice. So if you are a, a company, a, a startup company or, or a fast growing company, how are you creating an environment that is allowing people to bring their whole selves to work, mm-hmm. uh, to bring their ideas, to actively contribute, um, to speak up? And when you can do that well, then people feel like they're something part of something bigger because, you know, all the easy jobs are being automated, you know. Right. And so we need now people showing up to do the work that, you know, only humans can do. And that's 
that's connecting with deep empathy with customers. It's and it's thinking creatively about ways to make things better. Gotcha. You know, I, I want to ask a follow up because you you talked about automation, and that's something that we've been hearing. Uh, quite a lot lately, you know, like where, you know, automation and, and its correlation with jobs, whether it be enhancing jobs, replacing jobs or wherever the case may be. But let's let's talk about like in the aspect of how uh, automation kind of helps, you know, job performance and stuff like that. And a lot of times it, it it may help job performance, but it limits that human element, that human uh, interaction as companies scale and, and grow. How what are some of those ways, some of those strategies uh, that people can kind of keep that human element in in a age of automation, in your opinion? Yeah, so it really starts with making a connection and uh, human to human and and getting to know the, the people that you're working with, mm-hmm. not just in not in just in terms of what they're doing for your KPIs, right? But you know what's weighing on their hearts and minds right now. And I will tell you, I I see companies doing this really well right now and really bad right now. Mm, and gotcha. you know, um, so we were doing a global conference the other day, and I will tell you, this senior leader ha- happened to be at Amazon. He did this the best that I have seen yet. Okay. And he, you know, and so he gets, he's talking to his team. Now it's all over, you know, it's all virtual. Right. Mm -hmm. But he looks right into the green dot. You know, I say like on your computer, you know, that little green dot at the top, right? Right. So you're looking right into the camera. And he said, you know, here's the thing. I have been dealing with this since China. Mm. You know, he's like, and at first we thought this was going to be a problem for our Chinese teams. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, our poor, our poor Chinese teams. We're going to have to all rally and support them. And then, Oh, now we're in Italy. Oh, now this is a problem for our Italy teams. And right. then, Oh, now it's in the United States. I've got to tell you, I am exhausted. Mm. You know, um, and this is really weighing on me. I have two small children at home. My partner is trying to take, to carry the weight. I feel guilty. I'm tired, you know, and here's the thing. If I'm feeling this way, I know every one of you has a story too. Right. And it's not the same as my story. For some of you, it may be that you have, you know, elderly parents that you're worried about, or you've lost a loved one to COVID. Right. Or it's, and he just went on and on. And then, and he said, so here's the thing. Right now, in this meeting, what we're going to do next is figure out how we're not just going to survive, but we are going to thrive in the next 18 months. And I need you to share your stories and I need you to come up with ideas around these th- three strategic areas. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful, right? right? Because he made it okay to not be okay. Right. Yeah, and safe. And you could have heard a virtual pin drop. And guess what happened next? What's that? Everybody, right? Like, right. like wildfire ideas. Right. And great things, you know? But he, if he had just started like, Okay, everybody, thanks so much for coming to our summit. Here's what we, I've got three strategic areas that we need to improve the business in the next 18 months. Okay, so we're going to do these breakout rooms. Everybody, all set. Here are the instructions. Let's go. Right? Mm-hmm. It would not have had that same impact. So I think that's the first thing is, you know, how do you just really connect at a human level? Right. No, I appreciate that. That That's an amazing story, you know, because it, it's funny because like we you know in the business world, in the business culture, especially here in the United States, let's just be honest. It's, it really is kind of like, you know, got to be first dog eat dog and, and, and stuff like that. So you don't really hear uh, too many stories like that. So I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Oh, thank you. No worries. No worries. And so that kind of leads me to my next question, which, you know, this gentleman kind of sounds like the opposite of a courage crusher. Uh, if you will, that you talk about uh, in your book, kind of talk about what a courage crusher is. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I will tell you, so when I said people are either doing this great or they're doing it really bad, right. I, you know, I hear the horror stories, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't write a, a blog called let's grow leaders without having people write you all day long. Of course. <laughs> telling you they're terrible of stories, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's, you know, there's stories of shame, blame and intimidation. And, you know, I, uh, I got a call from this, um, bless her heart. You know, she's a, a Gen Z and she's one of the people who's not working from home. She is managing a, um, a small restaurant. Right. And you know, it, this is a startup. So it's this, um, mom and pop, they have 
three three restaurants and they've got three, you know, very young, inexperienced managers mm-hmm. trying to do these things. Well, I mean, they are tearing into these kids. You know, why is this not that? Why is that not happening? You're not moving fast enough. Why did you, right? And she's like, all day long. And here's the impact that that's going to have on her. It's not she she's going to quit. That's that's the first thing. Right. But this is also her very first experience with a real job. Right. You know, and what is she thinking about the world of work? You know, she was starting to say things like, you know, maybe I just should, I don't know, move to the country, get a dog, you know, right. like, you know, and that's really I'm worried. I'm worried for us as a society about, you know, it, these people with all the fears and stress that people have right now, of course. and then wait on top of that, if you've got toxic leadership, shutting people down and, and how that's going to translate um, to our future. So I think it's really particularly important that we show up with, with empathy and curiosity about how we can work together to make things better. Absolutely. No, that, that empathy piece is, is so key, especially within an organization. So I'm so glad that you, uh, you, you shared that for sure. And, and, uh, you know, one of the things I love about your book is that, you know, and we, we get books all the time, uh, you know, where, you know, you, you read it, you know, it's a great read and then you put it on the shelf. Right. But your book is one of those, what I like to call those working, living, breathing books where there's activities. Uh, you have the first tracks uh, section after a few of the uh, the chapters and stuff like that. Is, is that kind of like an extension of the uh, like the uh, in-person type of uh, uh, web, uh, not webinars, but like uh, facilitations and stuff like that, that you do that you kind of placed in that book. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we designed this book to be something that teams could read together and then a- actually go and implement them right away. So right. we take you through a seven step process and you're right that there's the first track section that gives you the activities and we actually have a free executive strategy guide you could download that's a companion to the book because we're all about being really practical. Right. And then our programs, our Courageous Cultures programs, are a way that we really lead you through and say, okay, what is um, – what are uh, – literally, we just also got off we, – we've done two program, two of these programs today already. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, and so one, um, you know, one was she, she picked five strategic areas where they really needed great ideas. So, you know, one was like bringing out ideas um, to manage um, right now in a global diverse workforce. Um, How do we create um, global engagement for process improvement? You know, how do we do flawless transmission and execution? So, you know, real strategic things. Right. But then what we do is we take them through and we ground them in the research. And then we say, okay, here are the tools and teach them how to use the tools and then in breakout rooms, so we had about 160 folks on the, in this meeting from around the world. We broke into groups of five or six people, gave them each one of these topics, and then they worked through. They used our only ugly process to um, figure out what are the, what's really at the root cause here. And then they used our idea model. Why is this interesting, de-doable, e-engaging, and a couple of a- key actions right. to then vet their ideas and come up with some solutions and the enga- the level of engagement and what's always is so interesting is how fast you can get to the good ideas. You know, it like when you have a process, you don't need an all day strategic planning session. You know, if you give us a couple of hours and an engaged team, I guarantee you we can leave you with some really good ideas to take forward into 2021. For sure. You know, and, and I'm glad you said that because I, I think a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't hear too many people who are in your space and do what you do to say, like, we don't need an all day session. A lot of times people who do what you do or similar to what you do, they're trying to let's be honest, they're trying to milk the clock and milk the, the client <laughs> for everything that they get. You know what I mean? And I think it's just more impactful the way that you just described it. So I appreciate you uh, sharing that and that transparency. Oh, thank you. For sure. And you talked about the idea model. Kind of go deeper with that because I, I I got a copy of your book. First of all, thank you for that, by the way. And I also got a, 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 a I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, a, a bookmark with the idea model uh, <laughs> on it as well. And I appreciate that as well. But kind of go through that idea model a little bit that you kind of came up with, if you don't mind. Yeah. So one of the things that we found in our research is that 
you know, 40% of our participants said, I lack the confidence to share an idea. Mm. And so, you know, although we, when we first started thinking about the book, we thought about it for, for executives and senior leaders to create a culture. But then we were like, you know what? We also need to teach people, right? The employees right. at every level of the business how to share ideas in a way that's not clumsy, because that's part of what happens, right? You know, you've got like the idea grenadier who brings you like all these half-baked ideas and just lobbing them at you, waiting for you to do something with, or or they're overly emotional or they're half-baked. So that's why, you know, this idea model is a way to think through your idea to give it the best chance of being heard. So it stands for I, why is this idea interesting? And that means, why is this idea strategically aligned with where we need to head as a business? You know, so this this involves, this assumes you've given your team some clarity about what is important to you right now. What are the most important things the next three months? Now, what ideas do you have that are interesting, that are aligned with those? D, is this doable? Meaning, is this something we could actually pull off right now? And I think this is particularly important now, mm-hmm. right? Because we all have more work than we can possibly do where right. it's all about prioritization. So, you know, teach your team to think about, you know, not talking about some, you know, some wild and crazy idea that, you know, would take a, a gazillion resources. We're talking about give us ideas right now that we could pull off. Then E is engaging. And this is where you get your team to um, begin thinking about stakeholders or who else could they involve in the process and then come to you with a, a couple of key actions, specific next steps that they would recommend. Because a lot of times people will tell us, you know, oh, I don't think my boss really wants to hear ideas or I'm scared. I'm like, you go to your boss and say, I really care about this team. I want us to be successful. I have an idea. Here's why I think this idea is interesting. It's really strategically aligned with what you said was our number one priority between now and the end of the year, right? right? Here's what I think. This is why I know we can do it. I've already got a bit of a plan. You know, here's who I think we need to talk to HR. We need to talk to IT. I've already pre-stakeholdered that with, you know, the HR director. She's on board. And hey, here, what I would recommend are a couple of next steps. If you do that, the at a minimum, your boss is going to be going, oh, wow, this is a real critical thinker. Right. Who cares about the business, right? They, sure. There's no way. There's no way they're going to be negative. Even if your idea isn't implemented, you've also, you've at least gained credibility. For sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And do a quick reset. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Karen Hurt, the author of Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. Once again, uh, if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for you to purchase uh, that book to kind of put in your entrepreneurial toolkit. I definitely think uh, you should do that. Karen, I want to ask you this because in the book, there's a, a quick story about a nurse and who, who talks about like trying to overcome, you know, uh, this kind of hot shot doctor and stuff like that. And it, people are kind of asking this group, why don't you just leave if it's so if, if it's so bad? Why don't you just leave what you're doing? And she said, well, I love my patients. I love what I do. You know, I, I don't think I should have to leave because of, you know, this guy or whatever. But it made me think of uh, two industries that it just seems like ripe for uh, could be, you know, kind of reorganized or have a little bit more uh, courageous cultures, which is healthcare is one, but also uh, education. Because when I think of nurses, I think of teachers and how they a lot of teachers want, want to stay uh, closer and connected with their students, especially now uh, more than ever. So I, I guess with all that rambling, I wanted to ask this question, which is, you know, when you go into an organization uh, and you and I imagine it doesn't always go smoothly. There's all there's sometimes there's, there's some non-believer who gives you a little pushback. Right. You know, yep, so yep. kind of talk about how you walk through that process, if you don't mind, Karen. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that is part partly is you. Well, first, let me share with you that with the, the issue with the nurse, because, Absolutely. you know, it, it was interesting because that was in a face to face in-person program. And it, it was after I worked with them, a small group of people, about 30 for for two days straight, like on all kinds of things. And it mm-hmm. was heartbreaking because, you know, when you do when you lead a program, you start to fall in love with the people. Of course. And she, of course, was one of my favorites. Gotcha. <laughs> Not that you get favorites, but, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, when I said, why don't you leave? Because in that particular circumstance, none of those tools were going to work on that 
jerk. Right. Like he, I mean, you know, and I think there are some, I am the, I'm a full on believer that you need to manage your boss and manage up and do, you know, do use all the tools that we have. For sure. And sometimes there are really bad actors. Mm. And this guy was one of those, right? I mean, he, he literally was trying to do things that could have potentially hurt a child. She had to speak up. So I said to her, why don't you leave? She said, I love the kids. And at that point I said, in front of all these people at this client that had hired me, (laughs) this organization is a big place. Mm. He's one guy, right? You know, you don't have to suffer. And she um, reached out to me on LinkedIn a couple of months later and said, you were right. And I found another place still in the same organization. And I am so much happier, you know? And so I I think that's part of it. If you, if you are in a really toxic situation, then get out. (laughs) Don't, you know, and if more of us do that, then the bad guys can't win because no one will want to work for them. But if we suffer in silence, so so I think that's the, the first thing. The next thing I would say is if you are really wanting to create a courageous culture, but your your organization isn't fully there yet, start small. You don't need to like, go out and declare, you know, big PowerPoint presentation, you know, oh, we're going to create a courageous culture. Just figure out one area where you really need a great idea and go ask a courageous question, right. which is specific and vulnerable and saying, hey, we really need great ideas around this. Um, what's one thing that you think we could do to make this better? And as you start to ask those questions one by one, people and making it safe and responding to those ideas right. um, so that people know that you're doing something with them, you know, that you will build that credibility and will get easier every time. Because the paradox of a courageous culture is that it takes less daily courage to show up, mm-hmm. right? If I know that the way we do things around here is we speak up, we share ideas, the default is to contribute. Then I don't have to think twice about, Ooh, should I speak up? What will happen? Right. No, you're just bringing the ideas. Right. And so I think, you know, and the other thing I would say is find the others, you know, who else in your organization is like-minded who you could partner with so that you don't feel so lonely because leadership shouldn't feel lonely. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And when you talk about, you know, not having to have those daily uh, moments of, of courage, it, it makes me think of, you know, and the ideas can kind of flow. It makes me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like when those yeah. when those bottom parts of the pyramid are kind of met, you're able to kind of get closer and closer to self-actualization. I never thought about it in the sense of what you were just talking about it, but you can re- kind of have that self-actualization within the scope of your uh, your uh, career in that regard. So I appreciate you sharing. I didn't think about it like that before. Oh, you're welcome. For sure. For sure. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you this cause I was, I was on Twitter. I was on your, uh, your Twitter page and I, I saw that you, uh, you and David had shared a, a new uh, article from uh, C- CNBC Make It. I love CNBC Make It, by the way. Uh, but nice. you have an article there uh, talking about stop asking how can we improve. Research says that the best CEOs do these three things uh, when asking uh, for feedback. Kind of talk about the uh, the content in that article a little bit and, and, and those three things a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing about that is, you know, one of the things that we found in the research mm-hmm. is that people uh, say, well, I have an open door Mm. and that's not enough because for most people it takes, uh, it takes more than an open door, right? Because it takes courage to still walk through an open door. Right. So when you want to show up and it, it, you know, if you really want people's ideas, first you need to be very clear about two things. Where do you, what that you do want ideas and where do you want ideas? And then go out and ask courageous questions. And a courageous question differs from a, you know, how can we make it better question in two ways. It's specific and it's vulnerable. So, for example, I will give you an example of Don, Don Yeager, who's the COO that we, we talk about him in this uh, article. And he, he says, what is one policy we have that just sucks? Mm. And he asks his frontline people that. Now, COO walking around and saying, well, Asking his frontline employees that question, first of all, it's vulnerable because he is assuming 
even though he's created the policies, right, that we have them and they might be rubbing our customers the wrong way. Gotcha. And it's and it's specific because you're only asking for one, which doesn't feel so intimidating. Right. Right. And so, you know, another question, you know, um, what is the pro- one problem we have that no one is talking about? Mm. Okay. So that here, here, that's vulnerable because I'm assuming we, we you know, we're, we don't, aren't there fully yet a courageous culture because we're, people are not talking about something we need to. What's one of those things? Yeah. And so, you know, by asking these courageous questions, you are really call, making it easier for people to contribute. And then, of course, the final thing is if you are clear about where you need ideas and then you're asking great questions, but you don't do anything with the ideas, then you've got a problem, too. And so the third is respond with a regard, you know, and so 50% of the participants in our research said the reason that they don't share an idea is that nothing will ever happen. Now, here's the real tragedy. Sometimes things are happening with those ideas. There just isn't the feedback loop. Right. And so, you know, we say, you know, responding with regard looks like, thank you. Thank you for contributing the idea, starting with gratitude, then Adding information, meaning um, letting people know what is happening with that idea or not happening with that idea or other things that they need to consider to flesh out the idea. Right. And then ending with an invitation to continue to contribute more. And when you can do those three things, you know, be clear that you want ideas and what an idea would accomplish. Getting curious where you go out and ask courageous questions and then you respond with regard. That is you uh, a very easy way to, you know, get more people contributing better ideas. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Style Automation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. Oralex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio, 
made simple. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online, avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash Startup Life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash Startup Life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure. And, and I love that. You know, and it's, it's a recurrent theme in our conversation, asking those courageous, those courageous uh, questions, if you will. Sorry, I don't know what that's being a tongue twister for me right now. <laughs> asking those courageous questions uh, because it really like it, it goes a lot deeper. And, and I think I like that it, because like just saying, what can I do better? Just seems like putting a bandaid over it. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. I, I, I definitely uh, appreciate that. So Startup Nation, when you check out that article on CNBC, make it, there's actually a picture uh, of Michael Scott. And I was just on your Facebook page and you were just saying <laughs> that. Can we now say that uh, you and David have collaborated with, uh, you know, Steve Carell? I'm going to say yes. Uh, All right, excellent, uh, I, excellent. I'm going to say yes, but I, I'm, I, I got to ask this because this is low hanging fruit. Clearly, you're probably fans of The Office. So I'm clear. I'm curious. What are some other things uh, that we can learn from a Michael Scott uh, that we as we go forth in our, you know, in our careers with uh, and having courageous cultures within an organization? In your uh, opinion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What can we learn from Michael Scott? By what he's done wrong? Sure. Done absolutely. Right? <laughs> Uh, you know, I think, you know, he, he gets in trouble, right, because of the um, unbridled tenacity. Mm. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, that, that and, you know, not thinking through Right. Uh, what he's going to say, it's like it comes out and it's not strategic. And then you're down, a, then you're down a trail and everybody does just staring at him and doesn't know right. what to say or do. Right. Right. And so I think that, you know, that's really in creatures cultures. We talk about two really interdependent things. One is, you know, this, this elegant dance between clarity and curiosity, mm, you right. know, clear, clear, clarity around where are we headed and curiosity about get, being curious about how to um, how can we do that better? How can we get there better? And if you've got an organization that is really high on clarity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so then everybody's like just d- doing what they think they want you to do. Right. And I was I was just talking to um, a, an HR person the other day, sure. um, and she was saying, you know, here's what I think is happening in one of our uh, initiatives. She said, when the senior leader joins the meeting, the only thing the other people in the meeting say is, great idea, mm. about her ideas. Right. And she's like, why are we even having this, you know, these meetings? If, right. if we're if we're just going to do what she says, then why waste everybody's time? Right. You know, and I, I think that's really, so that would be a high clarity culture that's not showing up curious. And then you also have the uh, high curiosity culture where everybody's got ideas and you're running in a million directions and it's hard to get anything done because it's like everybody's their own cowboy, you know, and you don't, that, that flip side is dangerous too, you Mm. know? And so it's really the balance of knowing where you're headed and deliberately getting people aligned and contributing ideas towards that. And, and, when you can get that balance just right and knowing which part you need to be at. So we, we said, you know, begin where you aren't. Mm. So if you are a high clarity culture, right. well then show up curious for, for a week and see what happens. If you're a high curiosity culture, maybe say, 
okay, we got a million ideas. What are our best three? Like, what are we really going to accomplish this next quarter? Right. And get people really aligned with that and say, these other ideas are great too. But for now, I need everybody behind these three things. For sure. And, you know, I think it's that, you know, those kinds of conversations will prevent you from being like the office. <laughs> right. For sure. And, and having to call Toby in for, for a time or two, for sure. So now I definitely uh, understand that. And now uh, it, you said something I, I, I thought was interesting because we always hear the phrase begin with the end in mind. But you talk about uh, begin where you aren't. And, and that also kind of leads to that whole vulnerability thing where, you know, you have to be honest with yourself. So I started mentioning that's something. Uh, you definitely want to put in your entrepreneurial entrepreneurial uh, toolkit uh, for sure. Were you about to say something, Karen? No. Oh, no. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I thought you were about to say something. I didn't want to cut you off or be uh, disrespectful <laughs> or anything like that for sure. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. You know, one of the uh, things, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about the book before we kind of transition is that you talk about uh, chronic restructuring. We see that a lot of times where we're always chasing the carrot. We're always trying to chase the perfect ideal situation, the perfect ideal strategy and stuff like that. Kind of talk about that chronic restructuring a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So that, you know, is a, a challenge that we see. And, you know, certainly there are times that as you are growing and you've got a lot of startups and you're, you're, you're adding people, you're going to need to restructure. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I find is that if you're constantly restructuring, and I know I experienced this at a very large company, right? So right. you, you, people are aligned and all of a sudden they're working, their heads down, they're committed to what they're doing. And then boom, ah, new, a new boss, new thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now this. And if people are always waiting for the other shoe to drop, they won't have courage. They're just literally trying to navigate the politics, right. the um, getting used to the new boss. So I think, you know, to the extent that you know, that's part of clarity is keeping as much consistency as you can and making people feel safe. And mm-hmm. as you're doing that, creating that psychological safety, then it's easier. People have more emotional energy to contribute at a deeper level. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually starting to wrap up with Karen Hurt, the author of Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And once again, Startup Nation, if you want to pick up that book, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on a podcast. Also, if you want to uh, check out more of what uh, Karen and David do, go to letsgrowleaders.com. Uh, we also have that link there in the show notes for easy access. Karen, were you about to say something? No. Nope. Okay. Gotcha. I wanted to make sure. Uh, so uh, Karen, I, I know you went to uh, school at you know Wake Forest and stuff like that. Just kind of share with us your experience there. What? Oh, at Wake Forest. You know, mm-hmm. that was a really long time ago. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess I just want to get an idea of, you know, what college life was for you and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, it's really it's interesting because I, I do tell this uh, story in our keynotes sure. of, of my um, my journey to be in a sorority. So mm-hmm. I was a really, you know, I was a very academic kind of person. Gotcha. Uh, but I joined a sorority because I thought I wanted a social life. And it, so I was really literally one of the most disengaged sorority pledges that there was. <laughs> I was like barely doing any, the things that I was supposed to be doing. And gotcha. it was, and, and so I had this story uh, and I, I won't tell the whole story because I don't, we don't have a lot of time, but no, you, you, you I tell had, the whole story if you want. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> That's all right. I have, um, but this, my sorority president at the time came out and, and talked to me and engaged with me in such a way that made me really understand like my leadership potential. Mm. And I went from being someone who was barely involved, right? And she could have said like, you know, sister, you know, you're, are you in or you're out, right? I mean, gotcha. she really could have done that. Right. But instead she's like, why are, you know, what's wrong? And I was, I was like, I'm going to fill biology and I can't do this. And, she really tapped in and helped me to become a leader. And I think that it was a pivotal moment. So I did end up being the president of the sorority. Mm -hmm. And because I was doing that, I was, you know, leading a 120 person organization. I learned how to run effective meetings. I learned how to do the politics and deal with the administration. Mm. You know, how do I protect when, you know, one of my sisters does something stupid and how do I go negotiate with the administration to help uh, her, you know, not get, as much trouble and all of those things. And I think what a beautiful opportunity. And I almost would have missed that. Right. If I, if she had just like forced me out and quit, 
And, mm. and so I think that's one of the things, you know, sometimes when people are disengaged, right. it's not that they don't care. It may be that they don't have the confidence. They don't think they can pull it off. And mm. so one of the things you really need to do is, is connect with them and understand what's really happening in their world before you write them off. Right. Right. You know, we, we see that a lot too often because, you know, I, I see this in I see this in organizations. I see this in uh, you know, team sports, you know, even though it's like we 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 were, we're so focused on like trying to get results, result, results. And, and if that person doesn't give you those results, we're just quick to like you just said, just write them off like, oh, they're they're uncoachable. We can't do anything yeah. with them. So no, I definitely appreciate you sharing that and that story for sure. So, no, thank you. So, no worries. No worries. So I wanted to ask you this, you know, so if I were to ask one of your clients, you know, about, you know, Karen's teaching style, would they say you're the philosopher, you're the encourager, you're the coach, you know, what, what would they say your teaching style would be when you're uh, engaging with your clients and having these sessions with people? I would say they would first start by saying visionary, like okay. in terms of helping people to see what they might not normally see gotcha. and then followed by practitioner hmm. because one of the things it is so funny. Um, we, you know, it, you know, as you begin and, and you're all these startup folks listening, right. you know, when you begin your company, you know, that you're supposed to say, well, you know, what are we going to be known for? Right. And who are we? And right. you're defining all that and you're writing your marketing copy. And, you know, we went through all that process, but I think our word found us. And it was interesting. Our word is practical. And, you know, whether or not we were leading a, you know, giving a keynote to 3000 people, people we'd get off the stage or that we'd read the evaluations and, you know, everyone that was really practical right. or, you know, people are reviewing the book and they, you know, back cover practical, practical, practical. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, we do our leadership programs. Oh, that was really practical. I can implement this right away. And so at first I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I want, our word to be practical <laughs> and like, no, you know what? The world needs practical. Right. So uh, we have, we've decided to embrace that. Uh, but I, I, I think that is definitely what we are known for. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And so uh, also while I was on your Facebook page, I, I do, I do, <laughs> you a, have been around. I, I do a little <laughs> bit. I do a little bit. I, I saw that, you know, uh, your publisher Harper Collins sent you a nice gift. Uh, you know, it was like a cake that looks like your book. Uh, if you will. And HarperCollins is a, a fantastic partner uh, of our show here at the Startup Life. And we just love them uh, greatly. Kind of talk about your relationship and, and working with the book publisher, HarperCollins, and, uh, and stuff like that on your path to write this book. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I, it, very, very supportive. Gotcha. You know, so our first book was um, called Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. Right. And that was published with Amacom. Mm -hmm. And then HarperCollins um, acquired Amacom. Right. And so, you know, we had a, you know, you know, right a first first refusal that, you know, was grandfathered over to them. So it was interesting because we didn't know what to expect. Right. It's a, right. for all intents and purposes, a, a new publisher for us. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you from the very beginning, it was a we were treated with such deep respect. And, you know, we, we pitched we pitched the uh, proposal and he's like, yeah, I love this. This is timely. And um, and then from there, what I one of the things is they really listened to us, hmm. you know. And and I said, you know, one of the things that made me sad about our first book is that the audio book was read by somebody other than us. Got you. And um, he's like, yeah, well, we like professional people doing the voiceovers. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's kind of weird because people hear us at a keynote. Right. And then they and then they go hear this guy just reading the thing and, you know, have these signature stories and they're from a women's point of view. And right. it's kind of weird. Right. And and so they let us audition uh, to read our own book. And I mm. thought that was really neat. Um, and so we we actually read a couple chapters mm -hmm. and um, and then they said, yes, this is what was fascinating to me. They then paid for a really highly professional recording where we went into a studio and, you know, this person listened to every word. I was like, no, repeat that word. I, it was, you know, really right. fun experience. Right. And I just, the level of investment in that I thought was really to create a high quality product 
as well as the editing. So I, I would highly recommend if somebody's looking to write a book, you know, HarperCollins is a great partner. Absolutely. No, we, we definitely love our friends uh, at, at HarperCollins. Shout out to our, our good friend, Sicily uh, C- there uh, in Nashville, for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you that for sure. Uh, so I, I want to ask you, you know, this, what's your entrepreneurial superpower and why? <laughs> It's the vision from the vision. A, from Fair leading, enough. yeah, Fair enough. yeah, leading the company, and you know, where do we need? Where can we add the most strategic value in a highly changing marketplace? Gotcha, gotcha, and it's definitely changing. Even outside of the whole pandemic, new normal thing is definitely uh, changing for sure. And before I ask uh, the last question, I just want to say thank you so much, Karen, for coming on the Startup Life. Uh, we definitely enjoyed uh, your time and your insight today. And once again, Startup Nation, that book. Is Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams, Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. Also, letsgrowleaders.com. That link is also there uh, in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Karen, so, you know, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you because given everything going on, there's a lot of people feeling discouraged, feeling a little down. Give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. Uh, so this won't last forever. And so, you know, what I would say is I, for me, the thing that I've been doing when I get really down is taking, you you got your big strategic vision and you're going to have things that go well and you're going to have setbacks, but for each day, you know, what, what is the most important thing that I can do today? You know, what is the biggest contribution? What is the best relationship I can invest in and taking it one day at a time. And I, you know, I, just like you, just like your all your listeners, you know, there's good days and bad days. And there's days that I'm like, this is never going to end. Right. <laughs> right. But if you just take it and, and break it down, I think you can go a long way. For sure. It's awesome stuff. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Star of Life. Once again, we want to thank Karen Hurt uh, for coming on the show. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it has been absolutely my pleasure. Delight to work with you. For sure. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.